before the arenas, before the awards. This is Before Nashville Live. Have a question for our guest? Send it to us via Messenger. Here's your host, George Davis. Welcome back to Before Nashville, where we're introducing the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today. Tonight, I'm super excited to have this guy on for a lot of reasons, and we'll get into some of those here in just a bit. But uh, in the meantime, we're also going to check out his newest single that he's uh, just recently released, and we'll talk about that and play it as well. But it's Scotty Hastings. Scotty, how are you, man? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on here. Hey, appreciate you coming on. I know that uh, you're a you're a pretty busy fella. I see you a lot on Instagram and, and uh, your social media, and I try to keep up with you as much as possible. But um, yeah. it's it's sometimes kind of hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just trying yeah. to do the best I can. You know. Yeah, I actually saw you had some dates coming up too, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on where you're going to be playing. So if people are going to be in and around, they can uh, go check you out as well. But to start it off, let's um, let's just talk a little bit about um, Scotty. I mean, where'd you grow up? Uh, yeah. You know, what were you into? Sports, that girls, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was definitely, I grew up in uh, Northern Kentucky um, and uh, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, um, literally right across the, the water from Cincinnati. Um, and yeah, I was into sports, uh, you know, growing up, I was have me and my brother have always been heavily competitive into sports, football, baseball, basketball, all that great stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, through high school kind of, um, uh, with the sports being the focus, um, what happened after that? Did you go off to college? Were you planning on going to college? Yeah. Uh, you know, I did the, the normal, well, maybe not normal, but in my group of friends and stuff it was normal uh you know go go for a little bit in college and then realize ah, i don't really know if this is what i want and then uh you know and then yeah moved on from there played, did a bunch of uh you know random jobs and played a little semi-pro baseball and yeah eventually joined the military so there we go <laughs> let me ask you a quick question because i'm really curious about this i mean i've read so many like you've got um, I, I'm going to list some of the, you know, the major country artists that a lot of people know, but like Brett Young, you've got Chris Lane, you've got um, several of those guys that played baseball and yeah. it seemed like they played baseball and then something happened that they got into music instead. What's the correlation with that? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I was never at that level to where, you know, really baseball was going to, get anywhere for me mm -hmm. um you know i was doing a lot of you know playing not really doing anything else um and i wasn't making a lot of money i wasn't really going anywhere with it so it was just you know eventually i i had a calling to you know join the military so i did right. that Absolutely. so when how old were you when you um when you went into the military i was 22 i was actually old um going in it was it was weird because i you know i joined basic train I, I went to basic training and i was the old man you know 22 years old and i'm the old man in the in the group <laughs> I mean, it was so weird most of the guys are going in at 18 and by 19 yeah. or 20 they're out of basic and 18 19 yeah. and then i it was it was so funny that like basic training is funny because yeah i i don't i don't know how some of these guys got through life like there's they're just so uh, like these there there were some of them that just did some crazy stuff and you were like how did you how are you still here like how how is it even possible that you're still alive like there's no like like 
<laughs> Those are the guys that always scared me, but they're the ones that are probably the ones you want in your corner out in the field sometimes. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, you know, with, uh, with going to basic at that age and, you know, 22 years old, what was your, what was your primary, uh, job in the military? And I know well, they I was had an certain thing. Um, that. I, yeah. Yeah. The MOS or the military yeah. occupation, occupation specific, whatever it is, specialty mm -hmm. or whatever, military occupational specialty or something like that. MOS, uh, I was an 11 Bravo, which is an infantryman. Um, okay. you know, in it, I, I, it's what I always wanted to do. Um, it was, you know, everyone has their, their idea of what a soldier is and, you know, what, you know, what, what makes a soldier. And for me, it was someone on the front lines fighting and that's what I wanted to do. Right. And you we're we're kind of jumping into it a little bit early. So let me backtrack just a minute right. here because yeah, I want to find out some other things <laughs> first. Um, the, the music, when did that kind of come in? Was that, I mean, had you always grown up on music and, and played? Yeah, I mean, I started, I started singing when I was super young. Um, okay. I was, yeah, I mean, from going to church with my mom and just like the praise and worship and singing and stuff like that, um, mm -hmm. to even like hanging out with my dad in the car and listening to the Garth Brooks cassette, the friend, Friends in Low Places cassette, just on mm -hmm. repeat over and over again and just singing along to every song. Um, you know, I've, I've been singing and been in love with, you know, Garth Brooks is what made me fall in love with country music. So, um, you know, there's, it's, yeah, a lot, a lot of great memories with singing and with, you know, just growing up in a family that really enjoyed music. So that's always a good thing, especially if that's eventually where you wind up, cause you want to have that background, but did you have Absolutely. any kind of formal training in like music or voice or instrument? No, or uh, no unfortunately, no. Uh, you know, I was in the band when I was in like middle school. Um, but it was funny cause I was in the band when I was in middle school and I had a teacher or someone who was in charge of the boys choir through our middle school. And they were like, we really want you like, you should come out. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Like singing silly. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, like and now I'm like, man, I probably should have done that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. When you were in the band, what, what were you playing? I mean, what was your instrument? Oh, I played, uh, I played trombone for like a year and then I played trumpet for a year. And then I, you know, and then I got too cool. Cause I, I started doing sports more and it was, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard to think of, you know, um, hitting a grand slam or, or taking out a, a guy, depending on what your, your role was in football, you know, if, uh, yeah. whenever you're having to go home afterwards and practice trombone or something. Absolutely. Like <laughs> Absolutely. Priorities, man. Sports became the priority. Absolutely. Right. Right. <laughs> what, what was your favorite sport in high school that you played? Baseball, hands okay. down. Baseball, hands down. I guess that would make sense since you were semi-pro. I mean, you know, Absolutely. it, it kind of makes sense. What exactly, give me just an idea. I mean, I, I know and and I feel like a lot of our people that are watching know, but uh, semi-pro baseball, what does that mean? Yeah, so it was just a, basically, a, 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 I don't really know how to explain it. It was kind of like an independent league, okay. um, basically. Um, you know, we got, we did, yeah, you didn't get paid much like right. at all but it was baseball and it was fun and we had a lot of people who used to play um professionally we had a lot of uh people who had moved back to the cincinnati area who had retired from baseball but they wanted to continue to play um 
So yeah, it was kind of like that. Wow. Sounds like a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, I, I, I played baseball as a youngster, but I never got that far into it you know, and, absolutely. And, uh, so it sounded like it'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, moving up, moving forward from there, getting back to the military. Now you're, your MOS, you're, uh, you said you were, uh, an infantry infantryman. And, yep. uh, that was a guy that you're the front line. You're the one everybody's shooting at first and foremost. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, what the the first firefight you got into what what were your first thoughts when that happened uh i don't know if i can cuss on here but <laughs> go right uh, ahead <laughs> holy shit this is real there you go um basically uh you know it's it's funny because they they train you they train you like crazy and they train you like what to do how to do it blah 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 and, you know, you, you think you have a basic understanding of, you know, what this is going to be like. And then you get in your first firefight and it's like, what is happening? Like, it's it's like a whole, I mean, it's it's something that I don't think anyone could ever really be ready for until it actually happens. Right. And a, a lot of times at that point, what I've always heard, because I, I've never served and and before i go any further i just want to you know thank you for your desire to do that in your service to our country and protecting our freedoms um but um I, from what i've always heard is once you get in a firefight it's like muscle memory you don't have time to think about anything it's just yeah muscle. no you just you just hope that your training kicks in and you just do what you need to do right um so luckily you know being in the infantry they they train us pretty well on what we need to do Right. Yeah. Right. And um, during this time, were you, um, were you still doing music? Were you writing any at that time? No, no. At this, this time, music wasn't even near my radar. Okay. Um, of course, like I always still like sang in the car um, through basic training. It was funny because in basic training, the guys figured out that I could sing. Mm -hmm. So they would have like their moms or their dads or their you know their wives or whatever they would have them send lyrics to songs to me and then i would sing the songs and it was like what, what? like <laughs> but yeah it, it became it became a whole thing in basic training absolutely kind of became the the base entertainment so to speak 100 <laughs> percent. i mean there was nothing else to do so why not right, <laughs> right. and i mean you know i i've talked to to several um several guys who are, who are veterans and, and they say pretty much the same thing, you know, is you don't have a lot of time to do that, but once somebody finds out, then you don't have a lot of time not to do that. It becomes a whole thing. And they're like, sing the song, sing the song, sing the song, sing this one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Oh God. Okay. Right. Absolutely. So you, um, your story is a very, um, harrowing story um i i watched it on instagram you um you have kind of a a um, unique way of playing guitar due to your your injuries and you were talking about that one day on instagram and i watched that so give us a, a background about the you know what what is the the difference of the way you play and somebody else and then yeah. just kind of go forward into, you know, why and how and things like that. Absolutely. Um, so I, it's actually easier for me to explain 
like, why first? Um, okay. So I have nerve damage in my right hand. Um, so I, because of the nerve damage, I can't feel this hand at all. Okay. Um, I can't, I can't straighten my fingers. They're always like this. Um, so because of that, I can't do any like fancy finger picking like a lot of these guys can do. Um, the only thing I can do is strum, which in country music, that's fine. You know, <laughs> you, you don't need to be able to play anything fancy. Right. Um, but yeah, when I, when I strum, I'm either just using my thumb to do it to strum like that, or I actually have a, I don't have one right here on my desk with me, but I actually have a piece that is Velcro. It's called strum and comfort. Um, and it's actually a Velcro piece that holds the pick on my thumb. Um, and it actually holds it down just like if you were holding it with two fingers, um, except it just straps onto my thumb. And that's, that's how I have to play. Um, unfortunately, like I can't play individual strings very well because I, again, I can't feel my hand and where it's at. Um, sometimes I'll miss some strings while I'm playing and that's just, you know, part of it. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's literally how I have to play. Um, yeah. It's, so, and all of that came about because of something that happened to you while you were deployed. Absolutely. Uh, um, so while I was in Afghanistan, I actually got shot um, on patrol. Uh, I got shot four, five times in the shoulder, four times in the hip and once in the thigh. Um, so for a total of 10 rounds that went in and out of my body. Mm. Um, and when I got shot in the shoulder, it actually basically destroyed my brachial plexus, which is kind of like a, a hand of nerves that go into your shoulder. Think of it as a hand like that, you know, each individual finger branches off and goes into different parts of your body with right. your nerves and where it was hit, my hand and my arm was affected the most. Um, so now I'm stuck with this awesome claw hand and I, I can't feel it at all uh, because the nerves weren't able to reconnect back in back to the uh, muscles in my hand and stuff. Right. Yeah. And the, the story that I, re I remember you telling this, you were, you were sweeping for yeah. IEDs yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was a Valen operator. That's it's called, it's called a Valen. Um, it's a fancy name for metal detector. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's basically what it was. I was in front um, with the Valen and I was, sweeping for IEDs and saw a guy standing behind a wall and he just looked like a normal person who was looking, trying to figure out what the heck we were doing there because all of them try to figure out what the heck we're doing there. Right. And, um, I saw him move real quick and he was maybe 10, 15 yards from me. Um, he was really close. And uh, I saw him move real quick. And by the time I squared up to him, he had already started firing. So. Yeah. Wow. Um. Wow. That's just crazy. I mean, it's, it's so, I, I don't think a lot of people understand. I don't want to say they don't understand what our servicemen and women go through when they're, when they're deployed, but in a situation like that, I don't think you can ever comprehend if you're not in that situation. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, we've, <laughs> It's funny because me and my girlfriend have had this talk before um, that it's people who have never been there, you know, have a basic understand. They, they, they think they have an understanding and a basic mm -hmm. idea of what it is and they don't truly know um, 
you know, being in that situation is so much more complex and so much more, you know, intense than anyone could ever fathom. But they right. people like to think that they have some type of idea. Um, and it's it's really it's not very accurate. Yeah, it's I mean, and it's guys like you that really put a lot of that into perspective. Um, I know you've, like I said, I know you've told your story on Instagram because you had a lot of people asking you, you know, you said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to clear this up for everybody. This is what happened. And you go through a lot of the different things that happened that day. And hundred percent. Yeah. I even have a diagram and everything. Yeah. So, and I, I watched it, I it in entirety. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was like glued, you know, it was yeah. like, I couldn't it's turn amazing. away. It was just so. Well, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. Uh, it, it, I mean, a, a part of me was, you know, rooting that everything would turn out okay. But then the part of me is like sick to my stomach knowing yeah. what you went through oh, yeah. uh, because you, you were pretty much knocking on at, not to, you know, quote a yeah. classic rock song, but you were pretty much knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, you know, I had actually lost so much blood that my eyesight shut down. Um, mm. I couldn't see anything. Parts of my body started shutting down to keep, you know, the main, the main things alive. So my, they wanted to keep my heart alive, my brain alive. Um, right. But the parts, there were parts of my brain that started shutting down that, you know, my body didn't need at the time. Um, right. And my eyesight was one of them. Um, and it's crazy. I like the, the way that I explain it is, so it was like a, a white film that basically just went over my eyes. I couldn't see anything. Um, and so like you see it in like the movies, um, a lot of people talking about like, you know, I see the light and don't go into the light, whatever that stuff. Right. Um, from what, from what I've experienced, like the whole like seeing the light that's what that is basically it's your eyesight shutting down because you're losing so much blood um it's basically like that point right before type thing um yeah i mean that's that's the the only thing that i can really think that that would be that would come from right and now after you you come back to the states you're first off if i remember right you were you sent to was it Germany to a military hospital? I was. So from Kandahar, which is where we were, we were in the Kandahar province of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went, I, I went, first went to the Kandahar Airfield Hospital. Um, while I was there, that was where they got the initial like treatment that saved my life. Um, and that was, you know, once I was somewhat stable, mm-hmm. they were able to move me to Lonstool, Germany. But in between Lonstool and Afghanistan, they actually lost pulse in my arm because there was actually a nick in my artery that they had missed. Oh. Um, so because of that, they had to make an emergency stop at Bagram uh, in Bagram, which I believe is in like Iraq, Bagram, Iraq. And uh, so I, I don't remember a lot of this. I'm just going off of what I was told. Um, so while I was in Bagram, they took a vein out of my leg and replaced the artery that runs from your heart down your arm. Mm. Um, they replaced the artery with a vein and they were like, oh yeah, the vein will grow to be an artery. It'll be okay. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then finally, once I was stable from that in Bagram, then I was finally able to get the lawn stool in Germany. Okay. And then from Germany, I went to Walter Reed. Right. 
And then um, uh, one of the the great parts of your story that I, I was listening to you on a podcast today, and I think it was um, actually yesterday and today. Um, I think the podcast was HHUS, HHUSA. HHA, uh, USA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are good friends of mine. Absolutely. Uh, was listening to that and they were kind of going through because while you're at Walter Reed, then that's where your your physical recovery started. Absolutely. And um, and you've always been into, uh, I mean, growing up in Kentucky, you can't be from Kentucky or Missouri or even, you know, Western Tennessee or Eastern Tennessee for that matter and not hunt and fish and stuff like that yeah um, <laughs> for sure yeah so um, yeah you um you you kind of had <laughs> to to refigure some things um absolutely and um, uh, yeah it was actually it wasn't until i got back to um fort riley where i was okay. originally stationed um and the reason why I went back to Fort Riley was because my guys were coming home from Afghanistan and I wanted to be there. I wanted to make sure that I was there for when they got there, then I could, you know, see them. I, I, you know, I miss, I, I miss them. We had lost a lot of people and I wanted to be there. Um, and while I was at Fort Riley, it was basically, they gave me a list and they said, here are adaptive sports. And I was like, okay, okay let's try it. You know, the, uh, the Surgeon General of the Army was really pushing adaptive sports hard. You know, it was, it was a way for soldiers to regain that competitive edge that they had lost before they got, when they got injured. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, I, I literally tried all of them. Some of them were not for me. Um, definitely not. There were some of them that were just kind of silly that were on there, but there were also some that I, I fell in love with, um, you know, sitting volleyball, which is a Paralympic right. sport. I fell in love with that. Right. Um, archery. I, 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 I had never, so before this, I had never picked up a bow. I had never shot a bow. Even being from Kentucky, like, you know, bows were out of my realm. Like, I'd only shot, like, you know, firearms. I'd only shot rifles, pistols and stuff. Um, I had only hunted with rifles and pistols. Like, oh, I'm only hunted with rifles. Um, so it was like, I bows were out of my realm. But I knew that they were for hunting. And I was like, heck, yeah, man, I'm, I'll, I'll go hunting. Like, I'll, I'll do that. Um, so I went there. And naturally, I, I'm right-handed, naturally. Right. Um, so I, you know, and if anyone's ever shot a bow, you have the, you know, the, the release on the hand back here and you pull it like a trigger. Right. Well, I can't feel my hand. So I launched like three arrows straight into the ceiling and the guy who was running it was like, hey, you need to stop. Like, stop. Like, stop doing whatever you're doing. Stop it. Uh, and the reason why was because I couldn't feel my finger. I had no idea where my finger was and that it would just kept hitting the trigger. Um, wow. So, yeah, I, I eventually got to where I was like, no, like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm way too hard headed for someone to tell me not that I can't do it. So I'm going to figure this out. Um, and then over time with talking to the guy who was running it, who's now a really good friend of mine, Jesse White, and uh, talking to him, it was basically like, well, if your hand is, you know, not doing anything how about we just switch to left-handed to where you're basically holding the bow with this hand and you're pulling with this hand that way you have all the control in this hand and i was like sure let's give it a shot why not um and then i just it, it i fell in love with archery as soon as soon as i started doing that i started shooting a lot better um it became incredibly therapeutic for me 
And it really got me through a lot of tough times, you know, getting, getting into archery and, you know, because for the seven seconds that you're up at full draw about to shoot that shot, nothing else matters. And right. it, it was, you know, it was, it was incredibly therapeutic. Like, like I said, it was, it was very therapeutic to have those seven seconds at a time to where nothing else mattered. All the, the depression and the PTSD and all that stuff just disappeared. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. so when you're, um, now, as you're going through the the adaptive sports, and like I said, I was listening to this podcast, and um, you were talking about, uh, or they were asking you questions about it, and I, I know you had, you, I think it was like 2016 or something like that when you guys had first met at uh, at the Warrior Games, is what it was called. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is, is that like an adaptive sporting event for, it is. Um, for it's- military? So originally the Warrior Games came to be um, is so the Warrior Games is for wounded, ill, and injured servicemen and women. Mm-hmm. And it's a Paralympic style event. So they have multiple sports um, across multiple days, and it's each individual branch of service against each other. So it's like okay. Army, Navy, Air Force, um, Marines, SOCOM, that we're all competing against each other in these different sports. Um, archery was one of them. And uh the guy who originally told me to stop shooting at this point, me and him had become really good friends and I was shooting really well. And he was basically, he had done the warrior games before. And he was like, man, you need to do this. You need to try this. Just go there. We'll, you know, shoot, shoot your bow and we'll see what happens. Um, right. And back then when I first competed in the warrior games, which is in 2014, um, it was actually ran by the U S Paralympic committee. Okay. And the U.S. Paralympic Committee would take the Warrior Games and they would put on, you know, they would put on a show and they would have all these events and they would always have someone from one of the national governing bodies um, through whichever Paralympic program. So whether it be uh, archery or track and field or sitting volleyball, wh- whatever para sport that they have in that tournament or in that event, there is someone from the national governing body who represents the U.S. Paralympic Committee there. So it was a way for them to recruit. It was a way for them to recruit into the Paralympic programs. Um, So I actually shot the first year of 2014 and I did really well. Um, I I did so well that I actually got recruited um, by the, uh, by the archery, the Paralympic archery program. So, (laughs) and then that next year I was shooting all across the country and I was shooting as an emerging athlete within the Paralympic program um, because I had gotten recruited. So because of the fact that I had moved on from the warrior games into now into the Paralympic program, Jesse, the guy who first told me to stop shooting because I was so terrible, um, wanted me to come on and coach. So I had coached uh, that next year. And then in 2016, when the HHA guys were there, I was a coach as well. So that was when I first got to meet them. Okay. So, and you were coaching other archers at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. I was coaching the, the U S army archery team. I was one of the assistant coaches. Um, and still am. So, okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And now through the, the coaching of that and, and everything, um, this whole time, I mean, you talked about how that seven seconds would help with the, you know, the, the, PTSD and the, Absolutely. um, the, just the 
emotions and everything that you go through because, um, you know, we all hear about PTSD, but if you haven't suffered from it, you don't understand it. Um, and, and I've talked to, um, other veterans who have dealt with it and I've never, I, I don't have it myself. So I don't, 100% 100% understand it, but I know about it, I guess is the best way to put it. Absolutely. And so when you're coaching, was that just as good for you as it was that seven seconds? Was it? 100%. Um, you know, it, it helped because I was still shooting archery. So I still had that, okay. that, you know, little bit of therapy, but I also now had this new purpose, right? So, right. Um, um, you know, the after sports world or in the, you know, the disability world, um, people who are, you know, who are dealing with a disability or someone who gets injured in some way, shape or form, um, the best way for them to get, you know, back into being somewhat okay is to get them a new purpose, find them a new purpose in life, you know, because they had one purpose and then they got injured and now that's gone. So now it's trying to find something else. Um, so for me, not only was it archery and being the best archer that I could possibly be for the United States, but it was also, you know, coaching these guys and teaching them stuff and to like teaching them that, you know, just because you have one arm doesn't mean you can't shoot a bow, you know? And um, for me as a coach, the most rewarding thing out of all of it was taking someone who has no idea that they can shoot a bow and thinks that there, there's no way, like it's impossible. Um, being able to take them, put them into a bow and that have them shoot and get that. Like for me, I always, I always tell everyone that I talk to about this, that that first shot, the very first arrow, like I don't watch where the arrow goes. I don't care how you shoot. I said, I, I watch the people. So I always watch the shooter. As right. soon as I see that person release that bow and it's the immediate, like, holy crap, I can do this. Like, right. did you see that? Like, I just did this. Like, I can do this. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's an incredible feeling to be able to watch like what, you know, what something that helps you, like something that helped me, um, being able to take that and give that to someone else. Now I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredibly, incredibly rewarding experience to be able to do that. Right. Absolutely. So you, I mean, but you basically, even though you're, you're giving them that, you know, that holy crap, did you see what I just did feeling when you're, when you're coaching them? Um, a lot of times because you are working with veterans, you're going above and beyond because you are helping these guys who, you know, they're, they're dealing with depression. They're dealing with the PTSD. They're dealing with other things. And you as a coach, even though people look at you like, well, I'm doing, you know, this and it's very narrow, you know, I'm showing somebody how to shoot a bow. When you look at the broad picture, you're helping them with their mindset. You're helping them to overcome even at some little point. I mean, it, it, you know, PTSD is one of those things that I'm not an expert. And if I say this out of turn, I apologize, but it's something you're never going to get away from. I, I agree. It uh, can get better, but it's never right. And so that's um, what you're, you know, that's what you're doing as well. So, so that must have been 
as much rewarding for you, you know, yeah. the fact that you have those guys that you're and and guys and gals. I mean, I don't know if you just coach. For sure. You know, yeah, no, guys and gals, absolutely. And and you have those um, now, you know, the the Paralympic archers, if you want to call them that. I don't know what their exact title would be, but you have them, and they're going, man, you know, and it just clears their mind, and and hopefully they can fall back on that to where. Instead of with a PTSD, you know, episode, the the thing they do is they grab their bow and they go out and hopefully, you know, if they've got a spot where they can shoot in their backyard or something, they Absolutely. go out there and it calms them down. It gets them 100%. back. Absolutely. You know, not only with, you know, it being therapeutic in the sense that you get to escape for a little bit while you're doing it, but also just in the sense that, you know, I take someone who just lost their arm, right? Right. And immediately, like as soon as you get disabled, it immediately becomes, I, I can't do a right. Lot. Like there's a lot that I can't do. If I can show them that they can do this, something that they never thought they could do, then that also shows that maybe there's a possibility that there's a lot more that I can do that I've never actually thought about. So it actually, you know, it, it helps retrain that, that thought process. You know, mm -hmm. it, it shows them that, you know, if I can do this, then I could probably do that. And then it opens up a, a bunch of new doors for these people who sh basically slammed all those doors shut because they didn't think they could do anything. Right. Um, and that, and that really is, you know, the best part about it is just being able to show them that, you know, something that you are telling me you can't do, I can help you do it, you know? Right. And then it becomes this whole thing. Well, now, now I can, I can do anything, you know, like there's nothing that I can't, you know, do if I just try. Right. So absolutely you just just put your mind to it and you can you can overcome 99 I mean it's, in, it's you know? incredible it's incredible what what you can do if you adapt to what you to if you want to do something bad enough you will adapt to make it happen right. um we on on the the US Paralympic team there is a guy by the name of Matt Stutzman who shoots with no arms he shoots with his feet wow and he has a he has a, a harness that goes on his shoulder and he uses his chin to activate the harness, but he holds the bow with his feet. So right. if he can shoot a bow, someone with one arm can do just about damn near everything. Exactly. So, absolutely. Now, um, I'm, I'm assuming, and, and this may be wrong for me to do this, but most of the bows that you're using, they're compound bows. Yeah, it's, it's uh, both. So we, both? we shoot compound oh. and recurve. Okay. I'm, I'm, that's interesting. I mean, absolutely. I, I could just, you know, to me, a compound bow is, it's more intimidating than a recurve. Yeah. Because of all the gears and the, you know, the string and. Yeah, and I mean, absolutely. Until you see like what an Olympic recurve looks like and the distance that you have to shoot an Olympic recurve. Right. Um, so it's funny because a lot of people are like, I'm going to shoot recurve. They have like kind of the same mindset that you do. Right? They're like, mm -hmm. you know, this is, it's a lot more simple. There's a lot less crap that's going on. Like, right. um, and then, you know, they get out to their first tournament and they realize that an, an Olympic recurve archer is shooting 70 meters and a compound archer is shooting 50 meters. Well, now that compound bow doesn't look that bad anymore. Now it's like, well, hold on, hold on a second. Like, that's like almost just shy of a football field. And this one's a lot closer. Like, hold on, hold on a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It's, you know, a lot, a lot of people have, have that, but actually shooting a recurve is a lot more difficult. 
And it's it's actually so with I, I always tell people like this, if, if, if they're like, you know, I don't know what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Um, the way that I see it is the compound bow does the work for you. Right. right. Compound bow is just jam packed with technology. Basically, you just have to hold it still and release it right and it will go where it needs to go. Um, a recurve bow has none of that technology. So you you have to be perfect in your shot, in your form, the way that you make every shot. It has to be exactly the same every single time. So right. a lot of people have that same thought. You know, they're like, oh, you know, recurve's easier. But then you get into it and you're like, Dude, recurve is so much harder. Like I, I actually shot um, recurve. Uh, with the Paralympic program for a while, and then I injured my rotator cuff, so I had to go back to recur or back to compound. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot harder, and you have to be a lot more precise and a lot more consistent when you're shooting recurve. That's I have a recurve, and that's probably why I don't use it much because of my precision. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm the kind of guy I would do like you, but I guarantee you the tip of that arrow is not going to be pointing at the ceiling. It's just going to go up. <laughs> I'm just going to be strong. You're just going to go up and into the ceiling. That's awesome. But, uh, absolutely. You know, it, and it is fun. I mean, I enjoy doing oh, it. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't, of course, we live in a residential neighborhood, so I don't get to get out in the backyard and do it very often because should I miss? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to. Your neighbor might be might be upset with you real quick. Yeah, yeah, but um, so you're you're going through this, and this is really helping you out a lot. And then you get to where the music kind of steps in, and you you get into to writing. How long have you been writing music? Writing, yeah. Um, honestly, I didn't start playing guitar, so um. I didn't start playing guitar or really get it thinking about music. So the way the, there's like steps to this. So the way that it worked out was COVID shut down archery. Mm-hmm. Archery was basically shut down. There was nothing happening. And at the time, you know, I had a, I had a guitar and I was like, I mean, I could probably learn how to play that. You know, right. like, I don't, I don't see why not, you know, like I can use my thumb to strum and I'll, I'll be fine. Um, so I learned G, C, E minor and D and, you know, which are the four basic chords for just about any country song. And I was like, hey, cool. Like, I learned this. I got I, GC minor D. I learned it. I got very comfortable with it. Um, and then once I learned the GC minor and D, that was when I was like, you know, I was playing it. I was getting really comfortable with it. And I wanted to write a song. I wanted to write songs. Like, I, I, I'm i in Nashville, the home of singer-songwriters. Like, I was right. like, I, I want to do this. Like, I want to try this. Um, I wrote my first song uh called take this chance but and it was for my girlfriend and mm-hmm. i sang it to her and played it for her and she was like that's it's really good like it's really good you should you like and it, her, her saying that and her like supporting me really gave me that confidence to be like oh yeah maybe i can do this you know it, you know it's like maybe maybe this is something that i can actually do um and then it just kind of took off from there um you know i wrote I wrote another, I wrote another song with that as well, because I learned like basic bar chords and I was like, Hey, I can, now that I know these bar chords, I can play, I can play even more now. So I wrote a song with just bar chords and I was like, heck yeah, man, I'm I'm good to go. Like I got two songs. I can can start going to writer's rounds now. Uh, And so, yeah, I, you know, I wrote, wrote that song, sang it to my girlfriend. It was for her. It was about her. And she was like, that's really good too. And I was like, 
man, I could probably do this. Like, why not? Like, what am, like, what am I waiting for? You know, like, what? Why not? What do I have to lose? Like, if I go and try, and I go and I, you know, I started learning songs. You know, like I started, I pulled up like guitar tabs on my, on my laptop and on my phone and started learning songs and how you know how everything's structured and stuff. And I start, I eventually learned how to transpose songs. So the fact that you know I can just change the key with a capo and now it's like I can play any freaking song that's out there. Right. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I started doing that and, you know, just having that support of my girlfriend and really, you know, believing in me really pushed me to want to really get into this, get on stage. Um, I, I had two songs and I found a, a singer songwriter competition called Nashville's next best of three. And they only required one at the time. And I was like, well, I got two, so let's do this. Um, You know, I was like, why not? Like, I'll submit for it. Like, why not? You know, Um, you know, and that's that's something that, you know, a lot of people think is crazy. But, you know, at at this point in time, like, you know, I'm I've I've almost died. Like, I you know, life is too short. You know, why not? If this is something that I think I could possibly do or something that I've always wanted to do, like, I'm going to try it, you know, like, why not? Um, because at the end of the day, like, if I put it off and then one day I'm gone, like I would have never had the amazing experiences that I've had, you know, on stage playing, playing down in Nashville and playing right. all these writers rounds and getting to meet people that these amazing singer songwriters and stuff like that. And it's just, right. You know, so yeah, I, I, I yeah, that, that's just kind of how it, how it started and just, you know, started writing more and more love songs for my girlfriend. And it just, you know, I just became a lot more confident in my songwriting and mm-hmm. a lot more um, confident in my guitar playing. And I eventually I was just like, you know what, I'm ready to start gigging. Like I mm-hmm. want to get out there. And I mean, I, six months into learning how to play guitar, I was on the, uh, the sing the singer songwriter competition Nashville's Next Best of Three, mm-hmm. um, with the only two songs that I've ever, that I had ever written, um, and I was like, hey, why not? You know, like, what you know, what's the point of doing this if I'm not going to do it all the way? You exactly. Know? Like, and and yeah, I, I try to live my life in the, the sense, you know, the sense that you know life's too short. You know, if if there's something that I want to try or a dream that I want to achieve, like I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. And in, in the same sense, like I'm going to be there for people who want to make their dreams happen. Um, you know, whether, whether it be, you know, my kids, my family, my girlfriend, whatever they want to do, I'll do everything in my power to make sure that I can help in getting that. For right. So, Like you say, life's too short and there's no sense in living with regrets. You know, you may 100%. get you know, further down, you know, up in years and then you just don't have, you know, you may not have the strength to, to shoot a bow anymore. And you go, well, I'll never have to regret that. Cause I got to. Absolutely. You know, or, Absolutely. or whatever. Now, who are some of your favorite, like current country artists? <clears throat> uh, let's see. Current man. I'm still, I'm still a nineties country kid at heart, man. Okay. I, I still live in, there's just something about that generation of country music, man. It's just so good. Um, you know, I, I love Lee Bryce. Of course, Lee Bryce is great. Um, Brett Young has some great stuff. Um, you know, Riley Duckman's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just, I'll always be the biggest Garth Brooks fan out there, man. Honestly. Um, 
Garth Brooks is just a man. He really is. Um, he's what made me fall in love with country music. Um, and he's just, you know, he's just, he has, he has changed the way that country music is perceived. And okay. he, you know, he is, he's done, he's done more for this, you know, for us as artists that a lot of people don't really understand he actually did. You know, he, he made it possible for country music to be whatever the hell we want it to be. Right. You, know, you have Sam Hunt who talks, most of his, most of his songs is talking. Right. I mean, who would have ever thought in a million years that that would be, you know, a way, you know, and that's, I mean, he just, you know, Garth Brooks paved the way to show people that, Hey, you can make this whatever you want it to be. Right. And that that's really the reason why I hold Garth Brooks in such a great regard because of the fact that, you know, he's just, he, he changed country music for the better in the sense that, you know, it's the perception and now country music can be whatever we want it to be. Right. Um, Rather than you know having, you know, rather than having the labels tell us what it's supposed to be, it's now it's us, and I'm going to do this, and it sounds kind of cool, and mm -hmm. you know the country music community just jumps on it and they love it, so it's yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. I think what Garth has done in the past for country and what he continues to do for it, uh, because you know he took took that time away, spent time with the with the kids and and helping raise them and, and just all the stuff he's done along the way. But when he came back, he came back almost at the point he left off. hundred percent. You know, there I mean, was, people still, was, people still loved him just as much as when he left. Exactly. And he's, he's one of the most down to earth, <laughs> humble guys. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, I don't think if you've, if you meet Garth for the first time, he doesn't look at you like a stranger. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. that he's, uh, yeah. He treats everyone, everyone like he's known him for years. Yeah. I mean, by the end of a five minute conversation, you walk away feeling like you've known him for years. Yeah. You know, absolutely. He's just so open and honest. And and I think that um I think there's a lot of that that's missing with some artists nowadays. Um, Luke Combs. Luke Combs is another one of those guys. He knows yeah. where he came from. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and there there are those that are like that and, and they know sure. where they came from. Riley, Riley's a, another one, you know, he knows where his upbringing is and he's such a super cool guy. Absolutely. So I, I just see a lot of that. And then I see some of these artists where you're, you know, I get the opportunity to meet a lot and yeah. uh, some of them are great and, and some of them, they don't, care whether i mean my day job is radio and they don't care if i work in radio during the day or what they're just yeah, for sure they're just kind of standoffish absolutely yeah but i mean it's it's just it's incredible like gar showed that i mean he's the greatest country music artist of all time mm -hmm. he really is i mean the numbers don't lie he really is um oh, yeah. he basically took country to a worldwide stage you know oh, yeah. and it was it, it, honestly, I mean, he's he's a great artist. He's, he he writes great songs, but a lot of it was, you know, the fact that he was a performer and the fact that he went out of his way to be there for the fans to make mm -hmm. sure, you know, he's he he is hands down the the pinnacle of what every artist should be when they think about connecting with fans. Oh yeah, um, and you know, and then also him taking time off. This dude is at the height of his career. 
yeah. height of his career, he showed everyone that it is okay to put your family above everything else. Right. And I mean, there, how many artists can you say would actually do that? Right. And this guy is the, the greatest country artist of all time. And he's, he, he took a break so that he could be there for his family. I mean, that's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and he's one that I will always respect him for, for that. And just his humbleness and his, you know, his down to earth feel, you Absolutely. know, um, and, and it's just really super cool, but you know, let, you've got a, a song that, uh, how, how long ago did you release? Oh, I released like, it, uh, May 28th, actually. Okay. Yeah. Not well, too long ago. Been a little over a month now. Yeah just a couple of days over a month actually. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I, I've got it queued up here and ready to go. And this is called truck it. I'm going to play it. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about the backstory of that. Then we got another couple of things we're going to talk about real quick. Something right. that uh, you've just recently become involved in that uh, I'm connected to. And I'm super excited to talk to you about that. Absolutely. But uh, this is Scotty Hastings. The song is called truck it. You can find it on all the streaming platforms, uh, go check it out. Uh, I mean, you'll hear it now, but you can go back and listen to it on the streaming platforms. Be sure to stream it because that's, you know, that's what helps these guys. And that's what we want to do as far as the artists go. So this is Scotty Hastings. This is called Truck It on yeah. Before Nashville, where we introduce the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today. Some two by fours, two men, the fence after a storm. Get a day's worth of hay where the cattle graze. Some red dirt on the floorboards, you truck it. How'd you get to a Saturday parking lot, corn hotel gate? With a cooler pack above 30 rats, everybody ready for the game. Sits on the weekend. Throw a blanket down the best seat in town for a movie at the drive in. Tricky. It's 20 to the mile, 50 for a tag. You can call me crazy, I don't care what you think. It's hollow crown in my escape. Speakers, blankets, getting her on the interstate. With the towers humming, the V8's rushing, nothing else can touch it. Call me crazy, I don't care what you think. It's hollow ground, 
Let's my escapes Keep us crank and skin around the interstate With the towers holding The fiends rushing Nothing else can touch it Keep it on your own All right, that's called Truck It from Scotty Hastings on Before Nashville, introducing the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today. I got to say, I relate to that song a lot because I just bought a truck back in February. There you go. First truck I've ever, well, I owned one when I was younger, but since then, you know, a family man, I couldn't really have a truck. And then my wife finally said, honey, go buy your truck. So I bought one and that 20 mile, uh, what was that? Uh, 20 to the gallon, <laughs> 20 to the mile, 50 20 to the mile. Yeah. That's it. That is so true. <laughs> For real. Absolutely. But I love it. I wouldn't trade it. I mean, I really, it's a 2014 F-150 and, and I go. love it, man. It's a, absolutely. and of course, you know, my wife garden. So she's found all kinds of Absolutely. So where did the, the, I mean, the idea was that, um, tell me a little bit about the backstory of the song. Was yeah, that so, solo ride? Did you write that with somebody or? I actually wrote it with two of my friends. So before Truck It, like I said, I had written a lot of songs for my girlfriend. There were right. love songs and there were slow songs. And I was, you know, I, I still write those songs. I mean, because those, you know, that's where my heart is right now, you know, right. and, and I, I love writing songs for her about her. Um, it's, it means everything to me, but I, I met with, uh, you know, Jake partial and Liam Slater. Jake partial is a producer, um, out here in Nashville and Liam Slater is another singer songwriter. And, um, I went in and I was like, I was like, he was like, you know, what do you, what do you want to write? You want to write something slow? And I was like, no, I already have that. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I I'm good on the slow stuff. Like I don't need, I, I appreciate it, but I really want to do something that's out of my league, like something that I've never really done before. Something right. that's a little bit more Southern rock, a little bit more in your face, roll the windows down, turn it up, kind of more like Anthony. I want to do something like that. There and he was go. like, cool, let's do it. He's like, you drive a truck? And I was like, yep. Yeah. He's like, all right, let's write a song about trucks. I was like, all right, cool. Why not? Um, and yeah, trucking came to be. I mean, it was, it was definitely... All, all three of us put in some work on that song, but it was, you know, it was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, um, I gotta say this. I, um, I, I work with another artist and we just released his song, um, first part of June to radio, just started pushing it out to radio. And, um, uh, I sent it to some friends of mine who are in Nashville Yeah, and they work with artists and they're promoters. And I asked him, I said, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the song? And one of the things that they told me that just really stuck with me because um, I was just like, that's country music. You know, it's like, well, it's definitely a country song. It talks about trucks. It talks Absolutely. about, you know, the girl and all that. And that's <laughs> what it is. I mean, uh, you know, it's like. David Allen Cole said he didn't write the perfect country and Western song because it didn't talk about trucks, didn't yeah. talk about mamas, didn't talk about prison. Absolutely. But nowadays the prison's not as high a priority as it was. Yeah, back not, in that not day. back then. 
<laughs> you know, but his dogs, you know, and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> and so I'm like, that's that's a part of country music that has never changed since, you know, you 100%. never even call me by your name. It's like trucks have always been a part of it. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, um, if you listen to, you know, some pop music, the majority of the things they talk about are Bugattis and Lamborghinis and stuff like that. Stuff that I'll, even if I had the money, I wouldn't own one. Um, I mean, I'd buy a Ferrari. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I've always <laughs> wanted yeah. one. But a Bugatti, I would never take because they sit so low to the ground. I'd feel like my yeah. backside was dry. Oh, yeah. And, I'm, I'm 6'4". I would I would suffer every time. But you know what? I would, if someone wanted to give me a Bugatti, hey. like, I'd take one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to get it, let me go right ahead, but I'm not spending money on it because I can buy a nice truck for a lot less. And uh, but I mean, you know, it's just a part of it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, it's the song to me. It's again, like you said, it's kind of got that that anthemic feel to it. Absolutely, where it's a good summer. Crank the windows, you know, crank it up, roll the windows down, blast it out of the speakers, you know. And if you if you got them to where you can put them in the bed of the truck, put them in the bed of the truck and turn it up even louder. It's kind of my absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I, we wanted to write. Um, so once we wrote the song, we wanted to be sure that it was out during the summer or before summer. We wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that it was like it could be a good summer song that you would right. really like listen to or you would hear like the good old boys driving down broadway in nashville with it cranked up like we wanted to give people the opportunity to really hear this song in the Mm -hmm. way that we had brought it brought it into the world um which was kind of just having that that anthem style feel and kind of just having that you know that where you can turn it up and everyone in the truck just screaming you know like so we yeah we really wanted to do that um but yeah i mean it's it's a fun song um, I, it's funny because me, me and my girlfriend talk about it all the time. She loves the song. Um, I, and, but you know, I never thought in a million years that I would be, you know, one of those artists that writes a song about a truck, you know, right. um, I, I drive, I drive an F one fifty also, but you know, I never, I've never thought that I would be one of those artists that's like, Hey, I'm gonna write a song about truck. Um, right. but once we actually wrote it and it was just like, man, this is, this is a fun song. Like it's, it's yeah. a fun song. Um, and yeah, I mean, my girlfriend joke about it all the time. Like, I, I didn't think you wanted to write a song about trucks. Like, it was like, ah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yep. You're right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun song. It really is. It's like I didn't, but it works. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I'm like, like, I, I never thought in a million years, like yeah. I'd be, I'd be the, one of those artists, but right. hey, it's, it's a great song, you know? Right. And, and I think, you know, you, you can, I'm not taking anything away from what you've already written, you know, where you said, Hey, I've already got all the slow songs. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with a, a good slow love song, a you know, an ode to your your wife or your girlfriend or something like that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Hundred percent. But sometimes, you know, you gotta you just gotta have that Yeah. And I hope your girlfriend's not even watching. If she is, oh, she is hundred percent she's watching. Absolutely. I, I, I'm gonna get myself <laughs> in trouble. But guys gotta have fun. <laughs> you know no, she she definitely knows i'm it's but the, the reason why it became a thing was because for a while i'd been talking to her i was like man i, I want to write something upbeat something fun um and i had the opportunity with mm-hmm. you know having 
you know, Jake and Liam there. I mean, these guys have written stuff and Jake has right. produced some stuff that's really great. And, you know, this type of song, Truck It, was completely out of my wheelhouse. Like, I knew love songs. I knew how to write them. I knew what, like, how to structure it. I I knew that. Like, that was my world. And this this was an opportunity for me to expand that world. And having them there and being able to, like, you know, pick their brains and kind of figure out, like, with Jake, like, figure out how all the instrumentation is going to work and how everything's going to fall together. And right. just being able to see that, like, that was a whole nother side of country music that I had never really stepped into and never really, you know, been a part of. I've never done like the fast, like in your face stuff that I, you know, and, but you know, yeah, it's my, my girlfriend completely understands because I, we had been talking about, about it for a while that I wanted to do, you know, something fun and fast. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, she still, she still likes the, the love songs more. So <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's probably more so because they're for her so i, yeah. I hope i didn't offend her by saying <laughs> you know uh, that's okay i i like i like the love songs more too i'm not gonna yeah. lie i, I no, like trucking it's yeah. fun but you know, I, you know i'm fine if i'm at the house you know and my wife and i are which generally we have so few hours together because by the time i get home from work and then she has her job and you know, her main job. And then she has her side gig and she's on a zoom call tonight. So it's like, we don't have a lot of time together. So not a lot of love songs in there, let me right. tell you. But <laughs> like if we're, you know, cruising down the highway, like um, last weekend, we were going up to St. Louis and just, you know, we, I, I'm deaf in one ear literally. And so I have to have it up a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, but she always tells me you only say that because you like it loud. Absolutely. Well, maybe Absolutely. Maybe just, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> you know, see, there you go. <laughs> you know, but uh, but no, um, you know, but it it is. It's a fun song. It's one that you could put on a like a a road trip soundtrack. Absolutely. You know, or playlist. Playlist. Yeah, I have I'm some, sorry, I have I some people who reach out to me and. Uh, I have a friend in Japan who's even like, man, this is on like my workout playlist. It's on my like just riding playlist. And I'm mm -hmm. like, great. Like, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's cool. that's basically what it was written for. It was written yeah. for that reason. Well, and now let's let's go ahead and move on. We're we talked a little bit about some of the things that I do in the show, um, but I don't know that we're going to get to that because I want to talk about something I'm super excited about. And you came on board. uh Two days ago, something like that. Two I think it was ago. two days ago. Yeah. Um, we're doing it's a uh, it's a concert series. It's called Freedom Jam, um, raising money for an organization called Operation Triage. Uh, for those that are listening that may not uh, be aware, Operation Triage will um, they do a lot, and and I kind of probably don't put as much into everything they do because they do so much. But they help out uh, veterans, first responders, active military families with housing and home improvements and so much more. I mean, that's that's just the, the primary focus, but there is so much that they do. And uh, about a year is a year ago in August, I was approached by Brian Judy, which Brian has been on the podcast two or three times. Um about uh helping out with it and so last year we did it and then this year um we did it again and wound up doing we're doing two shows this year awesome. and so we have one in st louis we have one at the camp in lake wapapella missouri yeah. which is down like almost it's like probably 
25 miles, if that far, from the Arkansas border. Yeah. Um, but it's a gorgeous place. The camp is a phenomenal place. And Scotty agreed a couple of days ago because we had some some timing things that we thought we had to work out. And then time opened up and we thought we can add another artist. So Scotty was the first one we went to and we said, hey, would you be interested? And you accepted. And so you're coming Absolutely. down to Lake Wapapello and that's going to be on September 25th. Yes. And uh, it's called the camp. And yeah. It is yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Uh, I'm actually playing a banquet on the 23rd, and my oh. whole family's going to be here, including my girlfriend. So we're all coming down. Oh so, yeah. wow, that's awesome! Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's it's going to be it's an all day affair. We have one on, the, and I have to throw out uh, for the uh, St. Louis show, which is uh, August 28th, and uh, they're both all day concerts, and it is. Um, independent country music artists it's people that you're not going to hear on your radio four times within a three-hour time span absolutely um uh, you know it's it's not the the you know the the luke's the kenny's the jason's the the garths of the world uh these are the people that are struggling to get and I say struggle because it is, it is a struggle. Yeah, there's I mean, you know, for, for every new artist that walks into Nashville, there's 50 more sitting over there waiting. Yeah, for, for sure. Two of my buddies, two of my good friends are playing as well. So it'll be oh, fun. Who else Biddy James playing? and Brandon oh, Davis. Oh yeah. I wrote, I wrote a song with Brandon Davis. I think Brian told me about that. And then the yeah. guy that I was talking about that, that I work with, he and Brandon have also written a song. Yeah, yeah, Brandon's great. And, uh, he has some great stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be fun because Jared's going to be at that show, too. So the four yeah. of you guys get together, and there's no telling what could happen. Let's do it. <laughs> it could oh, be man. a massive jam, you know. Hey, um, yeah, I'm in. But we've got, um, we've got 12, 13 artists now. Well, we're back to 12 because we had a band pull out, and, uh, and we're uh, looking to see what we can do there. Um, but we're, we'll have 13 artists there. We had 13 at St. Louis. So, and tickets for the St. Louis show are $30 for general admission. They're $50 for VIP, which I think the VIP may be closed right now. And I don't know if Brian's watching, but if he is, he'll let me know. I know we were about to do the cutoff on the VIPs. Um, the, the camp tickets are $25 and then VIPs, I think on those are still going, but they're $45 for VIP. And, um, we, uh, basically if, you know, like we bring in sponsors to cover our bottom lines and then all the ticket sales, we get back to operation triage to help them because they're a 501 C three, they don't have any kind of funding, uh, primarily other than donations. And so this is helping them out for what they do. And it's just a great organization, operationtriage.org. You can go check it out and read more about it. But um, this is going to be, like I said, it's going to be Saturday, September 25th. And Scotty's going to be there. Brandon's going to be there. Biddy's going to be there. Yeah. Taylor Austin Die coming. Um, I think everybody on that bill, but two are from Nashville. Heck yeah. And we have a band from St. Louis called Whiskey Rebels that's coming down. And then Jared, who is um, originally from Perryville, um, where Chris Jansen, you know, I I hesitate to throw that out a lot of times, but 
uh, because I don't want it to be known as, oh, Jared's from Chris. No, Jared's from Perryville and <laughs> having to share the same hometown. Absolutely. Um, but um, it's man, it's going to be a blast. I think we've got um, we're going to have acoustic acts and then we're going to have full bands. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, just, I'll be rocking it acoustically. So. Yeah, but uh, man, I'm telling you, acoustic between. I know with with you and I mean all of our acoustic acts are good. Like I said, we've got Taylor Austin dies, Stephanie Ryan, uh, Betty's coming, um, Brandon, um, Stephanie Nash. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting an acoustic act in there somewhere, um, and I know I am. But then we have uh, Aaron Cosgrove who just moved to Nashville from California. Um, Sarah Faith, who's in Nashville, um, October Rose, they're out of the Philadelphia area. Um, uh, 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 Jared Miller Holler, who's our headliner for the night, and they're out of Nashville. It's going to be a blast. You got to yeah. get tickets for it. I'm just telling you, you know, you got to get to they're 25 bucks. If you can Fine. find an all day festival for $25, let me know. Where <laughs> for real, though. You know, absolutely. Um, and if you want to bring 10 people with you, we have a couple of uh, of uh, gazebos that you get. I mean, these are like the VIP treatment <laughs> you get. Uh, you're the only 10 people that can go in and out. And we've got those on there, too. Eventbrite.com uh, slash Freedom Jam or Freedom underscore Jam underscore SEMO. If you just go to Eventbrite.com, look up Freedom Jam 2021. It'll give you all the info. Uh, but go check those out because it's going to be a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see you there because, like I said, I I found you. Um, I saw your your post about your explanation. I'd, I'd been following you for a little bit. And then I saw that and I thought, I'm going to have to watch that. And I waited about two or three days. Yeah. Oh, crap, I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then I, I can remember yourself. your first name and I couldn't remember the last one at that point. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, I, so I just searched and it popped up and I started watching it. And then I've been, you know, following ever since and and just kind of watching and stuff. And, I appreciate it. you know, I I mean, you're probably in the last three days, I've had 15 of the streams on Spotify or mine. So right. because I just listened to the song over and over. Please, and, please uh, continue to do that. I, I that definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm you enjoy to, it. Like I said, I'm going to have to develop a, a road trip pl uh, playlist and put it and some other songs on there and just start playing yeah. that. Cause I have about a 30 minute commute to and from work every day. Oh yeah. Um, Perfect and, for a good amount uh, of songs. There. Yeah. 30 minutes. I can get seven or eight songs in Absolutely. for sure. Uh, so as you know, uh, I sometimes conduct business on the road, you know, talking on the phone and stuff, but I try yeah. to listen to music as much as possible. So um, go check out uh, Scotty on Instagram, Facebook. Um, are you doing the TikTok thing yet? No, not yet. Okay. okay. I, I hesitate to ask because a lot of people aren't. Um, not yet. I mean, but, you know, people keep like I keep talking to you know podcast hosts <laughs> and other singer songwriters, and they're like, "Man, you need to like it's it's a great way to get following." And I'm like, yeah. I just, "It's not there yet, man." I don't know. The the odd thing I've noticed about TikTok is, and because it's such a new platform, I think is the biggest thing. But I see more independent country artists that have more followers 
absolutely. than a lot of the the A list guys. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I saw three or four today, like 80,000, 88,000. One Crazy. was a hundred and some thousand. I'm going, where do they come from? Yeah, absolutely. You know? And insane. that's what's so cool about it. And that's one of the things that I, I actually have TikTok for the podcast. I don't do very much with it. I need to do more, um, especially with, uh, you know, Freedom Jam coming up, because I yeah. think if we could connect with a lot of the, the fans absolutely. of all these artists, then we could really, you know, yeah, have a great well, show. I do know that truck. It's on TikTok. I'm not, but truck it is. It so is. Can, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Wow. Um, the the distributor that I went through to distribute it actually uh -huh. put it up on TikTok. So yeah. Well, I'll it's have to remember that next uh, TikTok I do. I'll be well. I have another obligation. I have to get out of the way first for TikTok, and I let my mouth <laughs> overload my butt. And uh, so I got to do that one. But the next one, uh, I'll do one of washing the truck and we'll. There you <laughs> go. Love that. Love that idea. Uh, either that or just going out mudding, which I haven't done yet because I've got to do it. I just, At least I, once. I just haven't got to do it yet. Absolutely. So we'll have to. I think my daughter, she borrowed it one night and she may have done that. Hey, I don't know. It came back probably. a little bit dirtier than what she left with it with. I know probably. that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. I mean, hey, I'm looking forward to. Um, to freedom jam i'm super looking forward to meeting you absolutely um, same you same. know and uh and hanging out and hearing music and knowing that you know i i remember hearing that you and brandon had written a song together and yeah and uh you know you and biddy in there and brandon and and uh i i'd like to see you know jared with you guys and you i mean who knows the four of y'all may get together and write the next big country song be a lot of fun you know that could be cool um, it's so, be a lot of fun. Again, that's going to be the 25th of September, uh, the 28th of August. If you are up in the St. Louis area, or if that's a little bit closer, then you're more than welcome to to attend that show too. Uh, tickets at Eventbrite.com. We will have tickets at the door too. By the way, we we have decided or at the gate. I say the door; it's all outside. Um, but we will have tickets at the gate. So, uh, but we want to encourage you to get them on Eventbrite because we never know what might happen at the last minute we could sell out and nobody, you know, you don't get tickets and we want to make Absolutely. sure. So uh, be sure to get them. So now you're going to be, you talked about, you were playing um, an event, the uh, like right before that, the 23rd, I think you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing a private event, a banquet. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, my, my family's going to come down and it's funny. It just worked out that the 25th is two days from then. And we're just going right. to, we're just going to hop in a van and drive out there. So, That's awesome, yeah. man. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be great. That Absolutely. will be great. Um, what other shows do you have coming up? Oh, man. I have so many shows coming up. Uh, so tomorrow from 7 to 9, I'll be at uh, Saul Breyer Brewing Company, mm -hmm. um, which is actually in like Jamestown, Tennessee, I think. Um, okay. But yeah, if if you jump on my Instagram or my Facebook, it I just posted my full July shows list. Okay. Um, and it'll have every show that I'm doing in July. And it's, it's a lot. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot in there. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll, um, um, we'll definitely keep an eye on that and, and make sure to push it and, uh, look forward to seeing you again in September. 
Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it'll before. be fun. We, we like to get down to Nashville every once in a while, but I don't know that that's going to happen between now and August. <laughs> you know, we're just so much yeah. going on right now with COVID. It's kind of Absolutely. messed everything up. And Well, I mean, if, if COVID's an issue, Nashville's wide open. So, yeah. And apparently COVID doesn't, doesn't, you know, live in Nashville. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tease everybody because I, I did get asked and I don't want to offend anybody because I know there's people out there that'll say, Oh, why did you do that? I did get chipped. Yeah. Also known go. as, um, you know, being, um, vaccinated. So <laughs> yes. I also, you also lost your camera there for a second. I did. I don't know what happened here. Something went wrong all of a sudden. I don't know why my camera just went out on me here. But I still have the sound, and let there me look and see if it just switched off my camera. No, my camera's still on. Hmm. Well, or it shows it's no. It's always something. There it there is. There we go. There it is. It's always something. Technology. Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing fun. until it pisses you off, and then you're ready to just throw it all out the window. Okay. I, I honestly, I, I asked my girlfriend everything about technology because I had horrible <laughs> the technology stuff. I've learned to, I've learned to love to hate it more in the last year and a half. I've been doing the podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> <I'll be honest. laughs> I believe that there's always there's always something that happens. Yeah, but uh, Scotty, man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you sure, taking time you out of your me. schedule. And again, looking forward to seeing you in September. Um, check him out on all the streaming platforms. Uh, TikTok, if you want to do a TikTok with a good song for your truck, truck, it's the perfect one to do. There you go. Um, and, uh, then, um, just drop Scotty a message. You want to see him live along with Brandon and Betty and Jared and Taylor and all the folks that I mentioned and will be at, uh, the camp at Lake Wapapello. And, uh, then also at St. Louis, we've got another whole lineup of artists up there. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, come on out and, uh, Scotty, you take care and we will catch you, uh, hopefully before yeah. too long, man. You too. Thank you so much. All right. And that's before Nashville, introducing the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today. Coming up on Monday night, uh, let me double check here. I believe it is a guy that has, according to one of the charts in Nashville, the number one independent song in the country. And that is Duke Pendleton. And we're going to be talking to him on Monday night. So um, join us again on Monday night for Before Nashville. Till then, y'all have a great night.